your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Another edition of Retirement Matters rolling in. Walter Storholt here alongside Michael Stewart this week. Michael, of course, is the founder of Crystal Lake Tax and financial serving you in the Crystal Lake, Illinois area. You can find them online by going to crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Mike is the co-author of the book, Purpose-Based Investing, Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street. You can find the book on Amazon. He has more than two decades of experience as a financial planner as well. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about what it looks like to get started with a financial plan. What should your true first steps be to make sure you get off in the right direction? So, so this would be a great podcast if you've never really put together a financial plan and you kind of need to know the starting points. But even if it's been a while since you've dabbled in your plan, might be good for a reminder of what are some of the fundamentals, what are some of the basics. We've also got a great question from Samantha to cover on the mailbag in a few moments as she's trying to seek a way to empower her mother to live a little in retirement. More on that question coming up. But first... Extra, extra, read all about it. It's time to see what's happening in the news. And there was a recent USA Today article, Michael, that explains that carrying debt past the age of 75 is now the new normal. How do you typically advise people on handling debt into retirement and beyond? All right, well, so let me tell you the number one secret to retiring successfully. And I'm going to pause a little bit just to allow everybody to kind of get their ears pressed up against their laptop speakers and cell phones. I'm sitting up straight, sitting up straight. I'm ready for it. Yeah. So cash flow is the secret to a successful retirement. As boring as that sounds. (laughs) That's all right. Cash is always an attractive word, so that's not a bad thing. Absolutely. So you don't pay your bills with mutual funds. You don't go golfing with emerging market exchange traded funds. You pay your bills with income. So your portfolio needs to generate interest and dividends enough that pays that expenses, along with whatever other sources that you have, like Social Security and pension, so that you don't have to sell investments to get income. Now, I know it's common sense, but common sense isn't always common practice. Now, as that USA Today article shows, the reason people are carrying more debt into the real estate is because of the real estate crash back in 08 and 09. Homes have just recently, in many areas, regained their prior values. So they were carrying those mortgages, expecting those things to be paid off. And instead, their homes are right about where they were nearly a decade ago. Another consideration is college loans. You know, We see headlines all the time about the trillions of dollars of outstanding college loans and historic defaults for both kids and grandkids. You know, And many of these have graduated, but they still live at home with either mom or their grandparents. But who's on the hook for those loans? A lot of time, the parents were on the hook for those, thinking, oh, my kid's going to get a job and pay those off. And instead, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa are on the hook to pay the principal and interest on this $80,000, $100,000 plus. Uh, there was just an article in the Wall Street Journal about a dentist that carried a million dollars of student loan, uh, student loans, and he's 30. And you know, how's he ever going to get that paid off? So the best way to be successful in retirement is really twofold. One, the less debt you carry in, the less cash flow or income you need for that same lifestyle. And once again, common sense. But if you need less money because you don't have a big mortgage or you're not carrying a lot of debt, be it student loans, credit card debt, mortgages, car payments, then you don't necessarily need as high an income because it's gonna stay in your pocket rather than go to the banks and the different investment companies. And the second thing is, I'll give you an example of that same lifestyle example. We've got two different clients so one client's got you know about $2 million with us, and they need every bit of that $2 million to generate income because they need a six-figure-plus income 
just to cover the lifestyle. They're in retirement, but they got a big mortgage. They've got two fancy car payments. They've got a lifestyle that requires them to utilize every single dollar of their investments as far as to squeeze as much out of that term as they possibly can, because that's what they entered retirement with, all these debt obligations. I got another client that has social security for he and his wife, a modest pension, and they've only got about $300,000, $400,000 with us. And they're not even touching the $300,000, $400,000 because they came in debt-free. The mortgage is paid off. There aren't any car payments. There's no credit card debt. So the income sources that they currently come in actually provide more than plenty, even after taxes, of an income that they need. You know, so a lot of times it has less to do with even what the account values are and more about the type of lifestyle you have to fund in retirement. And that's the problem with bringing a lot of debt into retirement. Debt is uh, certainly something to be concerned about if you're planning for retirement. It sounds like your advice, Michael, is to not just say, ah, well, it's the new normal, so it's okay if I do it too. This is one of those, if all of your friends were jumping off the bridge, would you do it as well? Don't just accept that as the new normal. Sounds to be your advice. Is that right? That's exactly my advice. And I'd guarantee you that somewhere in that USA Today article, there's a, a banker that's a mortgage broker telling you that it's okay. It's okay <laughs> to carry that much debt. Always remember the motivations behind the advice. That is for sure. There you go. That's a little bit of what's happening in the news. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Time to take a check in on the mailbag and answer one of your questions. If you'd like to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can do that by going to crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Or leave a comment on the podcast. We can always uh, answer a question that way as well. This one's going to come to us from Samantha in Lake Zurich. Samantha says, My mother has accumulated about $4 million in savings. She's lived frugally her whole life and saved a lot of her own money but also got a nice bump in savings over the passing of two different husbands. She's still spry enough to get out and enjoy some of that money, but she's so nervous about losing it or wasting it. Would meeting with a financial advisor help her feel a little bit better about enjoying herself, and can we do something to empower her? Samantha, that's a great question. It's one that's pretty common to be facetious about the thing, but I know when we give a workshop, estate planning workshop, social security workshops for a lot of individuals, one of the things that we say is, you know, first time for love, second time for money. And so it seems if there's a two different husbands that have kind of passed along over the years and she's accumulated about $4 million, she, she must have been listening to my advice as time has gone on. But on this one, once again, it is common. So although that $4 million is a large sum, it's really relative. So whether it's $400,000 for one family or $4 million for yours, it's still important to have everybody involved and it should be treated as such. And the best way to proceed really isn't about sitting down with some kind of investment plan or those kind of things. It's really to sit down with your mom and a trusted advisor, whether you're already working with one, whether you call us, whomever it happens to be, and just have an open, honest conversation about really what's the purpose of that money, not only today for your mom, but in the future for the family, you know, the kids, the grandkids, do you want to leave money to the church, the charities? So how do you best utilize and get maximum efficiency out of the money today while she's living, but also it goes to where she would like it to go on the back end, whether that were to be five years from now or 30 years from now. You know, that's all part of that planning process. And you'd be surprised how many times these conversations just don't happen. Families don't get together and talk about money because money is such a taboo subject. But it can lead to all kinds of issues and inefficiencies as far as taxes, as far as risk, and just things kind of leaking along the way. 
Now, I try and facilitate this discussion so that we ensure that your mom's protected not only today for what she needs to do today, what kind of income, what kind of lifestyle, making sure that she's getting total benefit out of this money while she's alive, but we also keep an eye on her legacy wishes. You know, are we concerned about reducing taxes, not only today, but in the future for the beneficiaries? What estate planning do we have in place, especially with a $4 million estate? Do we have trusts in place, power of attorneys for financial matters or healthcare matters if Samantha's mom can't make financial decisions or healthcare decisions on her own? How do we avoid probate and all those costs associated with it? The court costs, attorney fees, that can be tens of thousands of dollars. Another thing, while Samantha's mom's still living, regardless of the dollar amount, this is one thing that people don't like to talk about because it's not comfortable, is do we have a plan for long-term care expenses? That can drain a significant portion of that. Today, in today's dollars, nursing home, long-term care is around $100,000 a year, depending on maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on what market that you're in. But it doesn't take very long over an extended period of time, especially with things like Alzheimer and dementia, where you may need care for eight, 10 plus years. And then you had healthcare inflation growing at six or 8%. You know, you could be 10 years out and have $200,000, $250,000 a year of long-term care costs. So these are all things that we say, you know, how do we protect these assets for your mom as well as the family, but make sure that they're working in her best interest over time? Really good question, Samantha. And I think it's also empowering to know, Michael, that Samantha and her mother aren't alone. You get a lot of questions that revolve around people just they've been frugal all their lives that's why they've made four million dollars in savings and you know those kinds of amounts and it's sometimes hard to flip that switch in a different direction and go into spending mode it is and that's where i reference one of my mentors a gentleman by the name of tom hegna and he's got a bunch of books and he, you know pbs special and all those things but he references three stages of life and they're not really age-based they're more activity-based so one's called the go-go years you know you're you're in retirement you've still got all your faculties you you want to move and go around you want to travel you want to garden you want to spend time with the kids and grandkids whether they live local or or you know across the country or in, in another country so the, the whole go-go years is this is what you saved for you know, whether it's been inherited, whether you've saved over a lifetime for it, the go-go years is when you want to go out and use these funds while you still have your health, while you still have your mental faculties. You don't need a new hip. You don't need a new knee yet, those kind of things. So go out and enjoy your retirement. You know, not at the expense of the future you, but have a plan in place that, you know, you can spend a certain amount because this is really what you've worked your whole life for. Uh, that's followed by the go slow years. Usually it's, you know, around mid-70s to early 80s, so you slow down a little bit, but you're still active and you're still involved in things. But now some of the medical things start creeping up. So now the money's going maybe to pay a little bit of more medical bills than necessarily travel, but you're still getting around. And then you get your no-go years. Your no-go years is not only can you not physically go, but you also don't want to go either way. You know, so that's kind of, you know, the end of the end, if you will. But what the plan you want to put together, whether it's with Samantha and her mom here or all clients, is as you're either in retirement or approaching retirement, is saying, okay, how do I make the most of my resources You know, where I'm not going to run out of money, I'm comfortable with my spending level, to where I can enjoy the go-go years with my significant other, whether it's a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whether it happens to be family, whomever it happens to be, and do the things that you've always wanted to do in retirement. So you're retired to do something. And enjoy the go-go years and the go-slow years because you can never get those back. You know, so it is about really having these candid conversations and really maximizing the use of these assets to what really works best for you now and the family later. 
Another great question here on the Mailbag Edition of Retirement Matters. Thank you so much, Samantha, for submitting that one. A quick reminder, you can submit your own questions by going to crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com, or just leave a comment on today's episode. That's another way to do it, and uh, we can get your question featured on a future show. Or you can just have a one-on-one conversation with Michael. A good way to do that is to call 815 815- Five two six thirty ninety two. You can have almost uh, kind of your private mailbag question and answer session if you give Michael a call eight one five five two six thirty ninety two. So Michael, we were talking a little bit earlier about what it looks like to put together a financial plan from really the very beginning. What the first steps should look like if you're just getting started to put together a financial plan. Sometimes it can seem a bit overwhelming, all the boxes you've got to check when you start listing out all the considerations of income and long-term care coverage, like we just talked about, you know, the considerations for Samantha's mom that she might need to be thinking about and all the different investment choices out there. It can quickly pile up against you, but it's less threatening if you just focus on the first step and the second step and the third step and not so much on the 75th step and beyond. So what might the first couple of steps look like is the subject of our podcast today. So step number one, Michael, that might be pretty good. And and I guess you could make an argument that some of these things could be interchangeable in that first step. But all these are kind of in that bottom batch of stairs, if you will. First one would be to decide what you want retirement to look like. A little bit of like what you were talking about there with Samantha a moment ago. Uh, Exactly. And you would be surprised at how many few, especially if there's a spouse involved, how many people have actually sat down and kind of defined what they want retirement to look like? Where do they want to live? How much income do they need? Where's the income going to come from? And that really becomes a big part of this whole planning process. And, you know, one of the things when I first sit down with clients, you know, our first meeting, and I'll explain our process at the end because it's a little bit more unique as far as our financial planning process. But one of the first things that we do is say, okay, we've got all these different things going on out here. And you mentioned some of them, long-term care possibilities, social security, you've, got, you've saved X amount of dollars, whatever that happens to be. These different income sources, maybe you have debts in retirement, maybe you don't. Do you have your estate planning in place? You've got all these different things that you now are forced to kind of, as you're approaching your in retirement, if you haven't already done it, you've got to make these decisions. So you got to check all these boxes to really truly have a holistic plan you know, whereas you know, a lot of times when we begin the financial planning process, people are coming in and they've got their statements and you know, they want to slide them across the table and say, you know, tell me if I'm in the right funds and those. And in the first meeting, we rarely even get to that. It's really about tell me where you are, tell me where you want to go, tell me what, what you have as far as you know, general dollars. Is it in retirement accounts? Is it just sitting in the bank? Do you own real estate, secondary home? All those kind of things. Are there kids, grandkids? Do we want to take care of them? Do we want a legacy? How's our health? Do we have longevity in our family? All of those kind of things are going to help you decide what you want your retirement to look like. So at the very beginning, on a very high level, kind of conceptual basis, it's really kind of laying out that blueprint of, you know, in a perfect world, here's ideally what I would like to have before you dig in to figure out, are you there or what will it take you to get there? Great points, as always. So decide what you want your retirement to look like. Great first step to take with your financial plan. Then a good step to take is to do a financial inventory, which uh, seems like, kind of like common sense, Michael, but you'd probably be surprised by how many people. It's kind of like in football, the wide receivers that start running before they catch the ball. You've got to get it in your hands. You have to know that you've got it before you can start to do something with it. So this is not a recommendation because it's more so for individuals, uh, you know, as with their existing advisor or when we have a conversation on a go forward basis on a financial inventory, 
is countless times individuals will come in and we'll send them out a packet ahead of time saying, you know, bring these items and we'll, we'll discuss them and answer your questions associated with them. So it might be investment statements, bank statements, you know, any debts that you have, those kind of things, pension paperwork, estate planning documents. And we'll have them come in and then we'll be talking about, we'll like, okay, let's kind of piece this together, kind of get that financial inventory, if you will, together. And we'll say, okay, well, we've got this IRA here. Okay, there's that statement. We've got this 401k at this work, this 401k from an old provider. We have these things. Let's see, social security, where's that statement? Oh, I didn't print that out. I don't, I don't have that. Okay, but you have that at home? No, I don't have that. We can't really do social security planning without knowing how much social security is going to pay at the various ages. We have software that plugs that in, shows you how to maximize it, all these different things. You know, or they'll say, no, nope, I know I have another Vanguard account out there. It's about, well, I really don't know how much it is. So it's, you know, there's all these kind of missing pieces and these gaps and holes because individuals really haven't put their arms around and kind of corralled all the different financial pieces that they have. And sometimes even just going through the planning process regardless of whether they move forward with any advisor or not. The reason of going through that is it helps you get organized and understand what you truly have, where it's at, and what the pros and cons are about it. So again, to recap, decide what you want your retirement to look like, do a financial inventory, two of the first steps you can take to get started with a financial plan. Then we need to look at that really important component, income, and develop that income plan for the future. Yeah, the, the most critical part really is, you know, and I, I mention it every time on the podcast, I mention it in every meeting that we have with clients. Retirement is about income. You know, it's not about growth. It's not about trying to get 18% out of the stock market. Retirement is about having an income plan so that you and any significant other that you have will have a lifetime income. And until you take your last breath, you're not worried about running out of money. You know, that's a truly successful retirement. It's not about beating the market. It's not about beating the neighbor. What it is is about having an income stream you know is going to last as long as you do so that you can have that quality of life and retirement that you want. So one of the things that we really dig in once we get that financial inventory, we understand what we're trying to do is we pull together everything and say, okay, here's what you said you wanted to do. Here's what we have to do it with. Is it doable from an income standpoint? Can we have consistent, reliable, sustainable income in retirement off of what we're currently doing, whether that's a savings level, whether that's the investments that we already have, the different products that we already have? And if not, then where do we need to plug those gaps or what adjustments do we need to make in order to achieve the things that, that you have? And sometimes it's doable and sometimes it's not. Other times we might have to make some other adjustments within the plan. Might be work a little bit longer, save a little bit more. But unless we know where we're going and what we have to do it with, it becomes difficult developing that income plan. But at the end of the day, that income plan is going to be the single most important thing that's going to comfortably and with peace of mind get you not only to retirement, but through retirement. Always helpful to get this kind of information on the podcast, I think, especially if you're a new listener. These getting started steps, hopefully, will break down a little bit easier for you, some practical ways to get a financial plan in place, at least a great way to get started, rather than trying to tackle more than you can hold on to to begin with. So decide what you want retirement to look like, do that financial inventory, develop an income plan. And last but not least, certainly, Michael, is to determine how much help you need and that's where all the answers come from your planning process, I'd imagine. Absolutely. So when we determine how much help the client needs, what I love about this part and what our process is, is I don't determine that for the client. 
the client is going to determine that on what they want to use our services for, even if that's none of those services. So when we do a, our planning process, it's typically a three meeting process. All new clients come in, they pay for a financial plan when they come in. And the reason why they pay for it is because at the end, there's no sales pitch. There's no, they're waiting for a shoe to drop saying, okay, when's he going to show me this annuity or this newfangled index fund or whatever it is. What we do is we say, okay, our first meeting is, you know, kind of what we call a, a fit meeting, which is let's get together. Let's answer the questions that brought you in, you know, whether it's about social security, investments, long-term care, estate planning, whatever the source happened to be. Let's go through here. Let's find out what your concerns are. And let's see, can we add value to what you're currently doing? Do you see value in the work that we might be able to assist you with as far as the planning process goes? And if so, and the personality is a good fit, that's just as important. It doesn't matter how many zeros are at the end of the portfolio in my eyes. What's important is as a personality, if there's a chance that either from a financial planning standpoint or investment standpoint, we might work together going forward, we have to be a good fit, not only on investment philosophy, but just personality wise. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to spend that 20 years together, you know, managing your retirement and meeting every quarter and going over here because it'd just be too cumbersome for both of us from a relationship standpoint. So that fit meeting is, yes, is it a fit that we can add value, but also is it a fit personality-wise for both sides? In that case, if we agree to move forward on a plan, then you know we gather documents and all the things that we need. And then we move on to the second meeting, which is what we call a design meeting. In that design meeting, we've plugged everything into the software, we've done the analysis on all the things that you said you want to accomplish. And then that's when we sit back and say, okay, based on the things you said you want to do and the resources that we have available and our expectations, is it doable? And if it is, we talk about the things that are working and the things that might need to be tweaked. Is that something you would consider? We go through those different things, whatever it happens to be. And that's going to be social security maximization when we claim. It's going to be personal risk management, life insurance, health care, long-term care, estate planning, pretty much anything financial going on in your life. So the investment portion of it's just a small portion of that, still critically important, but it's just one of many of the factors that we're going to look at. And then from there, we go on to the third meeting, which is what we call the delivery meeting. What the purpose of the delivery meeting is, is we give you that 100-page binder, you know, that's all tabbed off with all these different things. But what we actually focus on, we say, you know, like a good friend Dan Caprill has always says, you can read. So, you know, go ahead and take that home. You know, probably put it on a shelf and not. But we'll pull out a few of the charts that are really important. And more importantly, right at the very beginning is somewhere between a two and three page, what I call the implementation roadmap. And what that is, is it's got three columns going down. You might have 10 items, you might have 30 items on yours, all with a distinct timeline. What we start out say is, okay, item number one on that roadmap, this is what we need to do. Second is, this is when we need to do it. Third column is, who's gonna be responsible for getting it done? So let's say, you know, first thing was, we needed to reduce our risk because we weren't comfortable with what's going on in the market and we're approaching retirement. Great, that's number one, here's our new allocation. Number two is, when do we need to do it? Well, if we're concerned about it, let's do it ASAP. Third is, who's going to do that? Are you going to do that with your current advisor? Are you going to do it yourself? Would you like some recommendations on our side? Whatever that answer is, doesn't matter to us. We go to the now. Let's go to number two. Let's check that off. Okay, we need to claim Social Security at this specific date. This is when you need to do it. Okay. Or do you want help with what that process is? You're going to do it by yourself. So estate planning, review of estate planning documents, whatever it happens to be, we just go through that list of what needs to be done, when does it need to be done, and then so there's some accountability. And then on the third column is who's going to be responsible for it, current advisors, yourself, or us. So at the end of the day, our plan is objective. That's why clients pay for it. 
but it's completely holistic. It covers all aspects of their financial life. In addition to them, they know it's objective because there is no sales pitch at the end that they have to work with us, or it's just a process of getting to some kind of sales pitch. And what clients love about that is that they see from that design meeting that led to that plan delivery that they were part of that entire process. You know, and that's one of the things that I'm passionate about is because I love getting paid for the plan, but I love going through that planning process with clients because you see their eyes open over time and say, this is really doable if I just make these couple tweaks here and there. You know, and that's one of the things that I'm passionate about. Love hearing about the process, and uh, I think it's so helpful to have expectations, what we can expect to encounter when we go through this planning process. And you got kind of a really nice overview of the first steps you can take to get started with a financial plan, but then also what it looks like a little bit, the end product after you work with Michael and the team at Crystal Lake tax and financial and what the full plan looks like, what are some of the important elements that get pulled out of there. And really important, Michael, you mentioned that implementation plan. None of this matters if you don't have a plan to implement it. And that's what's really, really important to remember here. If you'd like to get a financial plan started, if you haven't gone down that road before, maybe you did kind of a, you know, a havesy plan sometime in the past, or you've got kind of a verbal plan of what you want to do. Time to get that thing in writing and make sure that it's fully fleshed out. If you want to make sure that you talk to Michael about that kind of thing, you can pick up the phone and call him at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. You can also find Michael online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Or shoot him an email, michael at crystallaketax.com as well. The place to shoot that email to him and start that conversation about your own financial plan how you might be able to improve it going forward. Michael, as always, we appreciate the advice and the guidance here on the show. We'll talk to you next time on Retirement Matters. Look forward to speaking with you soon. Lots of fun. Always enjoy the conversation with Michael. Hope you did as well. Walter Storholt here with you, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time back here on Retirement Matters. Take care. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.